Hello and welcome to Advocata's Reset Now podcast. I'm Anuka, your host for the day, and with me I have our guest speaker KD Vimanga. Vimanga is an independent policy and a political analyst. He is actively working with many public policy engagements and advocacy work. His area of expertise ranges from policy uh, from inclusive development to economic and policy research. It's a pleasure to have you on board Vimanga. Thank you Anuka. Uh it's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Yes. Uh so to begin with this is a new year 2023 and we have passed a year of economic crisis. 2022 I don't think that anybody will, would forget the difficulties the hardships that Sri Lankans as Sri Lankans we faced long queues for fuel stations and gas stations and then long hours of power cuts food shortages shortages of medicine and and the list goes on so this economic crisis has necessarily taken a a, a burden it has been a burden to most of us So this is a new year and with the dawn of this new year I think many Sri Lankans has a lot of resolutions and one main resolution is the economic prosperity and the development of the country. So as Winston Churchill once mentioned that a good crisis should never go to waste. We need to make use of the crisis and do the reforms as necessary. So when talking about economic reforms we need to look at our asian peers specifically talking about the indian and the thailand exa- examples and make sure that we also implement the structural and the much needed economic reforms but at this critical juncture of sri lanka's economy we need to face this with hope and positivity so that is why on the dawn of the new year we decided to talk about reforms and the way forward of the sri lankan economy so in order to start with reforms there is a argument about the reforms that the reforms that sri lanka is focusing on is is the ones that are recommended by the international monetary fund uh, fund or the imf so i would like to direct this question to vimanga what do you think about this uh this argument that we are following only the imf recommendations or is it the recomm- is it is, are these the necessary reforms that we need for sri lanka as a country or is it just the imf recommended reforms thank you anuka i think you've set the context right uh but i think before i answer your question i'll take a cue with what you said about last year i think uh you know the economic debacle that we are in uh is a consequence of policy failure that has existed for from from the time of independence right uh and i think the climax of that was last year so if we are going to look at 2023 i think our priority as a nation again is identifying what our real priorities are in the policy and economic landscape and i am absolutely not sure whether we are there as both as uh people as well as uh a nation but i think we should definitely understand our priorities now one of those priorities is the imf program which currently is you know being negotiated and there is a lot of different uh arguments con- context contestations around it 
But I think if I was to directly approach your question, then my sense is no, this IMF program has to be a program of the people, right? Uh, these condition, oh, peop, I mean, these conditionalities uh, or supposed conditionalities uh, that you see are really the reforms that the nation needs. It's not that the IMF imposes conditionalities just because it sees uh, and, 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 and tells nation that you should do it. But they, they, they make these recommendations because this is what the fund, fundamentally the country needs, right? So, so I think as a nation and as, as a people, we need to make this IMF program a pro, uh, the, our last IMF program for sure, because we've had consecutive IMF programs which have not, which have not seen conclusion. But we need to make it our program. These reforms need to become our reforms. Because only by implementing these reforms can you come out of this economic debacle, the crisis that you saw, the hardships that you faced over last year will continue if these reforms are not done. Um, and, and in my sense is, again, it's a two-step process, right? Uh, you have immediate reforms and then you have secondary reforms, which I will uh, you know, explore as this conversation goes on. Uh, and I think Advocata has been speaking on these uh, for the past two and a half years. So directly answering your question, this IMF program has to be our program, a program of the Sri Lankan people. And we need to complete this IMF program if we are going to come out of this crisis. Yes, of course, Vimanga. I think that is a consensus that most of us has to come upon. And also speaking about the reform, since you brought this argument up, I think we've been working on, as Advocata, we've been working on the state-owned enterprise reform for some time. And also, that, that is an important reform that has been brought up throughout the year of 2022. And I'm, I'm very sure that it, we will see some fruition of it in 2023. At 2023. So the state-owned enterprise reform is mostly debated and also is brought into argument because of the, of the uh, burden that state-owned enterprises has on our public finances. Again, directing another question to you, Vimanga. What is your take on the success of state-owned enterprise reforms? So, Anuka, I think you can also add on to this because you were part of the SOE project and you have a lot of insights. But I think it is way too early to say whether this, pro whether these, whether, you know, we have not even started our SOE reforms. Uh, we don't even know uh, when we will start these reforms. So I think the, the real importance is getting the nation prepared and getting our people prepared to implement these reforms, right? Building consensus uh, within our communities. And that has to be the message that politicians, policymakers, individuals take to their communities. That these reforms like SOEs are essential reforms because they're the only reforms that can lead the country towards growth. Now, there's this whole wider narrative that you know, uh, right, we have this IMF program, it'll bring in a sense of, you know, macroeconomic stabilization, right? So macroeconomic stabilization is what is need, what, what we need at the moment. It is the dire need. But can we just stick on that sense of stabilization? No, because we've, we need to come out of it. And the only way we can come out of it is growth, is by achieving economic growth. And how do you do that? One of the key components is, state reforming state-owned enterprises. And you can call that whole liberalization process uh, a growth accelerator, right? 
So for sure, if we, we, we need to look not just next 2023, but we need to look beyond under, uh, for the next five, 10 years. And the starting point probably is SOE uh, reforms. So, uh, you know, we, I mean, we re what we really need to do is start that reforming process. And again, I must, you know, I, it, it is important that we highlight and tell our people that you need to support these reforms, that you need to support getting rid, this, for the state to get rid of uh, being a commercial player. The reason, another key reason why we are in this crisis is because the state has been performing uh, the activities of businesses, uh, running enterprises, which have accrued losses, which in turn have contributed uh, to the nation being indebted. So I think what is essential is building a sense of message, a sense of consensus among our people that these are essential reforms. And I think policymakers have a lot to do in that sense. Yes, uh, of course, like you said, but, I, but also I would like to highlight a few things that happened in 2022 with the interim budget. Uh, it was proposed that a SOE restructuring unit will be formed. And I think the committee is active and also they are looking into several options. And also in the 2023 budget, we saw that uh, uh, five SOEs were, five commercial SOEs were brought into conversation. And uh, the, the process of divestment and restructuring was discussed. So I think these are positive things that we as Sri Lankans can look forward for because otherwise uh, our, our business environment or uh, the economic uh, condition of the country might face a threat with, uh, with, with the ongoing crisis and with the ongoing economic downturn. So it's important that we focus on the, uh, the SOE reforms, the state-owned enterprise reforms, as Vimanga said, so the main problem with our SOEs is, according to my opinion, is that we run in a lot of sectors, looking at banking and finance and insurance and uh, to from banking and finance to insurance to tourism and also to uh, retail businesses. The state is involved in many of these things. But the real problem is, are these SOEs making real profits? Are these SOEs adding to the economy? But if these businesses are necessarily making losses, is there any value addition to the economy? If not, they're just, are they only burdening the state coffers? And also, is, is it only a burden on our public finances and thereby the taxpayer? So that is the necessary thing that we all need to think about and initiate and create the initiative for SOE reform. So if you really think about this thing, I think uh, not only our policymakers, but also the general public will be convinced that yes, we need to reform our SOEs. We need to go for state-owned enterprise reforms. I think the best example is Sri Lankan Airlines. Uh, for from 2008 onwards, the losses it has been racked, racking up has been has exceeded uh, a billion, uh, billions of amounts by now. So and also the debt racked up on their accounts ha has also exceeded a, a significant amount. Uh, but also we saw that at the same time, when Sri Lankan Airlines was facing the, sa the same situation, uh, Air India was also going through a similar financial situation. But after the COVID-19 crisis, India decided to go for a privatization. So what do you think is what we could learn from this experience of India? I think you've... Uh, you know, you've you've tackled the question, and I think you've you brought the conversation to to a very important point, right? Uh, now, 
what I would initially, you know, like to say is, I think it is, I think we've been, you know, going around the mulberry bush around this concept of uh, whether these SOEs are important, uh, you know, whether, whether SOEs being led by the government is, you know, is important, right? I think it is a, a proven, I mean, global examples exist that the, the more the government gets rid of their state-owned enterprises, the more growth they will see. Vietnam, uh, where we are now, every, like, like all economists in this country, uh, and everyone's talking about Vietnam, uh, because, it, because it definitely has uh, great examples, for sure. But if we were emulating Vietnam, then we would have got rid of our SOEs in 2005. Vietnam brought in the initial action plan, which, which started, I believe, with about 40 SOEs back in 2004, 2005. Uh, and and today you see the amount of growth Vietnam has has achieved uh, just by getting rid of uh, about thirty to forty SOEs. Um, I think you you've you've highlighted you brought in the concept of profit, and I think there is also this narrative that uh, that that one that uh, that that issue with privatizing SOEs is that you know they will be profit led and profit motivated. But I think one must look beyond profit. For sure, profit is profit is important, and the kind of uh, revenue that it, it will generate to the state can definitely have have a great impact in our case on debt repayments. Uh, so, so that's that. I think that that message has to go out uh, to the people. But something else that I would like to add, Anuka, is the importance of value addition that privatization brings, especially if you can bring in international players. Let's look at 2000 to 2005, uh, where we had, I, I would say, let's look at 1990, 1994 to 2005, uh, where we had international players like Emirates, Maersk, uh, you know, international port operators coming in. The kind of, kind of value addition they brought and created. And, and even to this day, it is a significant uh, driver of our growth and the kind of value addition uh, that, that, that we create as a country, right? So I think most importantly, people miss this point uh, because they just think from it from a profit perspective. Uh, but but the the spillover effects and and the kind of you know uh, accelerate as as an accelerator of growth privatization brings is significant. And uh, one you spoke of Air India, right? Uh, I think it was a given consensus, especially in India, that uh, the state should not run run the airline, right? I think we need that kind of consensus among amongst people. Uh, I think we've, as I said, we've been you know hopping around and running around the Malberry bush for too long. I think this crisis is the best example to once and for all get rid of get rid of all our SOEs. Uh, and and of course it has to be done in a very transparent manner uh, where there is accountability, where you also maintain the highest level of governance because only then can you attract international players. Only then can you attract the best uh, companies to come and run your organizations. Uh, so I think that's another important point that we should probably carry uh, as, as well. Of course, of course, Vimanga. So uh, my, my intention was to bring this conversation towards privatization. So uh, I think there is a there, there is a narrative built around privatization, and also there are, there can be positive and negative uh, comments made on it. But however, uh, throughout the world around Asia, we've seen the benefits of privatization. Even in Sri Lanka, especially in the telecom industry, I think we've seen the benefits of privatization. And Sri Lankan Airlines also at one point saw the benefits of privatization. Uh, 
so, but however, I would like to also tap into this uh, topic of the negative connotation with the word of privatization. It's a very sensitive topic. Uh, oh, sure, yeah. I think privatization is generally a bad word, right? I mean, that's 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 been our experience uh, yes. when we approach this topic, you know, throughout as well. So yeah, so that's what I think Advocata also has been trying to tackle for so long that privatization, even though it is uh, it is looked at in a very negative or a very different perspective, we're trying to change it. We're trying to say that the benefits that people and the country can gain is much wider than just looking at it as selling of national assets. So Vimanga, if we touch upon this aspect of privatization being called as selling national assets, what is your opinion? What do you have to say to our audience? What, what do you think should be the change of thought process of Sri Lankans to approach privatization and look beyond selling national assets? Right. I think, I think as you said, this, I mean, I, I do have uh, issues um, with also the perception that you look at selling national assets to be a bad thing. Because what, 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 what in reality, you know, you have your biggest returns is when you set you, sweat your assets. And what you, can, what you can see is the government has been a terrible uh, organization when it comes to sweating assets, right? They've not used these assets. Uh, they've literally, I mean, all our, we, we probably have a few uh, SOEs that probably make profits, but that's because they're monopolies and they, they dominate the sectors they're in. So the, the state as an organization that runs uh, commercial interests has, has been terrible in performance. Uh, all indicators, Advocata's report, uh, global, best, best, uh, global indicators, all, all, I mean, it's, it's, it's proven and tested. So I think we should change that narrative and, and you know, understand that it is important to sell these assets because right now I think we are in dire need uh, and we need to build our reserves uh, and we need to fund essential imports. So for sure, there is a, there is a much bigger need for these assets to be sold. Uh, and, 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 and more than that, look at it again in terms of a way to attract, uh, as I said, uh, competition, skill set, uh, be part of uh, global uh, networks, uh, because only then can, by opening up, by, you know, allowing international players to be stakeholders in our assets, can we become part of uh, global growth uh, and, 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 and global value chains. Uh, so at least my, 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 my message is really uh, don't look at it as looking uh, selling assets, uh, because selling assets is actually a way of making, you know, bringing in returns to the nation. Um, and, and, and I think I must add uh, another important thing. Uh, one of the, one of, I think if you look at Sri Lanka, uh, one of our greatest accelerators of, of growth and also, and we, we, we have a, I would say, uh, very competitive glo uh, national players who've entered uh, the global, uh, you know, in manufacturing uh, and, and in other sectors. So a reason for that was, you know, you, you had the free trade zones, right? Uh, in, the, in the 70s, we explored with the concept of free, tra free trade zones and it worked for us. Uh, that is because once again, we created assets and we sweated those assets and we allowed individual players to thrive. So I think it is high time we relook at that model as well. And the, the BOI running, uh, free trade zones, I mean, that is outdated. Uh, it, 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 is, it is not relevant to the 21st century. So 
so another key reform I think we we can probably do is uh, for 2023 and 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 going forward I think is to also prioritize on the heart of our on the heart of Sri Lanka's growth story, which is uh, free trade zones, and start getting in private players, especially East Asian private players, to manage uh, our free trade zones. And 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 these players have skin in the game. They they are part of global chains. They 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 will bring in the business we need. Uh, so that I think is a fundamental thing. Uh, so all of these methods are basically ways to sweat our assets and make money. And this is a thing that the state has been terrible at. So this is why I keep saying that what is important is making sure that this is a private sector-led initiative. Uh, that once we get, once we privatize, once we are. Uh, create a sense of stakeholdership and let private players come in and be part of these enterprises, what will happen is we will innovate. So I think fundamentally it's important that you that you actually get these reforms, that this kind of reforms implemented. Again, some of these can be actually second tier reforms because I think, as I said initially, I think the most fundamental ones, the first tier reforms uh, are going to be the kind of reforms that 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 will achieve macroeconomic stabilization. But again, tier two reforms like privatization uh, are, are, are really essential. I think there are other reforms, once again, which we can probably speak a bit uh, towards the end of the podcast. But these are essential reforms, you know, if we are looking and if, if we really want uh, to create a prosperous uh, future. Yeah. Uh, so, Ibang, I was necessarily also thinking like when you mentioned about free trade zones and also like our export sector when you brought in that, I was wondering whether we only have, we've only come this far since late 90s, early 2000s and we've not made necessary improvements on our exports, on our trade sector. We've uh, only, we've just moved on in, in terms of different kinds of development aspects, but we've not improved the sector that we can, uh, we have uh, income through. So uh, this, this sector, the export sector also can benefit out of privatization. So talking about privatization, since we discussed that topic extensively, I would like to summarize a few things Vimanga mentioned. So privatization is in privatization of state-owned enterprises is important because it reduces our deficits, the deficits of the government. And this redu reduction of deficits then leads to less debt. And also we can stop, uh, we, can, we can reduce the amount of debt, uh, debt service uh, repayments that we have to do. So this reform, this uh, this step will necessarily uh, necessarily reduce uh, the burden on the taxpayer and the ta ta basically the taxpayer in terms of business activities and also in terms of households and in uh, and personal income. So this can stimulate growth. So uh, stimulating growth is should be our main important focus and working towards economic prosperity is should be our target for the year 2023. So when talking about the year 2023, we've, we've talked, we've spoken about privatization, we've spoken about uh, state-owned enterprise reforms, and also we've tapped onto the sector of trade and what we need to improve. So then can we also look into the other reforms as a country, as a country, what we need to do in 2023, the next step of reforms, uh, in your opinion? So Anuka, I think, as I said, probably priority will be the tier one, uh, tier one reforms, and then we will have to prioritize tier two reforms. 
a key part of that, I think, is building an ecosystem where the private sector, small and medium enterprises, corporations, uh, and, and, and business as a whole can thrive. I think that is fundamental. So I think we, we've, we've always had this wish list, right? Yeah. And we've been speaking about this wish list for decades. I think, again, this is, this is the right time to actually start implementing this. So I think as a nation, we need to adopt the implementation mindset. And this implementation mindset should take priority for 2023. And I will just quickly elaborate on a few of those. Uh, I think, you know, probably a place to start is with the regulation. Because if you look at, I mean, we've, I mean, Advocata has been speaking on how hard it is to set up, you know, a small organization like a sole, sole, like a sole trader, the kind of time and documentation it requires, then it, 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 it only gets worse uh, for, 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 business, for, the, for private limited companies uh, going for, I mean, along, the, along that ladder. So reforming that process. And, and then there are lots of issues and regulations when it comes to investment, when it comes to transfer of capital flows, uh, approvals, uh, even in the export sector. So I think we've, we've, we've spoken about these and there are lots of policy outputs written over time. I think now what we need again is that implementation mindset and getting these reforms implemented. So a key reform I think must be deregulation. This, this will supplement uh, the kind of, uh, you know, reforms like SOE reforms uh, that will take place in the country. I think a third key important element is really, you know, if we want to achieve growth is again, this, this is part of a liberalization process where we will try to look at, you know, things like skilled immigration and, uh, you know, having a more open mindset when it comes uh, to, 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 to our nation's immigration policy. Uh, and then, which will which should also be, you know, supplemented by an open investment policy, where it is where it will be very easy for, for investors to come and invest. And then, I mean, we mustn't forget the port city exists now. I think, regardless of the debates we have, we should utilize it and get in the kind of investments and get the get get the project going. So I think there has to be a wholesome and a coordinated effort with these reforms. So. Uh, a second key important thing with reforms is that interdepartmental coordination. And I think this has to come at a governmental level. Uh, I, think, I think I must also emphasize another key important reform that we've, that we've probably not discussed or been ignoring is our relationship with India and the kind of market, the 1.23 billion market that we, that we have been ignoring uh, for, for, for the longest time. So, I think expanding and, and developing our economic relationship with India has to be is is, is going is, is going to be important, uh, especially because from a from a very business perspective, it'll also help our entrepreneurs, our businesses to enter and get access to a 1.3 billion, uh, billion market, um, and 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 this is going to be a key driver. So I think there are that whole a wholesome set of reforms. Uh, that, that is before us. So we have this wish list. And I think right now, what we need is to prioritize that, understand that with macroeconomic stabilization, you need a network coordinated action plan for the implementation of these reforms. 
I think this has to be the kind of precondition for 2023. Uh, and I think it is very important that policymakers, government, uh, and also the public as a whole start supporting these reforms because these are the only ways in which you can come out of this crisis and you know divert the nation and the economy towards a part of growth. Of course, of course, Imanga. Like you said, we've been having this wish list of reforms that we've been constantly uh, talking about, mentioning, and also Advocata has been producing a lot of work around these areas. Uh, we've been talking about a set of reforms and also we've been talking about the interests that we have as a regional uh, as a regional member. So I think it's time that we use all these connections, all these opportunities. And like I said, a crisis should not go into waste. It should be it should be utilized and the reforms should be made in order to make our future of make the future of this country prosperous and and hand over a, a blissful country to the next generations. So it is important that in 2023, we all resolve and our one and only resolution for our country and our economy should be that we should support the reforms and we should make sure that it's done. And I think the Reset Now podcast was uh, a reason for having this podcast on the dawn of this year is to give you hope and positivity about the reform process that we need to carry on in this year, in the next 12 months. And and bring our country to a point that bring our country to the path of economic prosperity. So uh, on that note, I would like to thank Vimanga for joining us today on our Reset Now podcast. I think this, this was a very fruitful discussion and our goal at the end of the day to give positivity, hope for our economy, for our country has, has, uh, has conveyed. And also thank you everyone for listening and watching us today. Let's see you on a later day soon. You can listen to this podcast on Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And remember to follow us on all our social media platforms for more exciting content. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. See you in the next episode.